Hello, this is episode 225 and in it, I'm going to be sharing one of year four's most popular episodes and also continuing our celebration of year five of the Get It Right podcast. This episode, it was from season 11 of the podcast, which was called Interior Design Basics. Now, Interior Design Basics was a much loved and incredible season where I discussed a huge range of information to know about the design and the selection of the fixtures, the fittings and the finishes for the interior of your home. And it was really focused on how to create a functional, durable family home. I am passionate about the fact that styling and trends are something that can trigger ideas, but they're not what creates timeless design or long-term functionality. And so season 11, through the know-how of a great range of guests and in sharing my own knowledge, the episodes actually go beyond the idea of of interior styling and into the performance, the specification and the detailing of your interiors so that you can create a home that's going to perform durably with the love that you and your family will give it on a daily basis for many years to come. It's just not all nuts and bolts info. Season 11 also helped with understanding how to create your design direction, about learning more about colour and finishes and textures in your home's interior and also choosing interiors that really reflect who you and your family are. In this episode here, it reboots the most popular episode from that season. It's when I brought Karen Haller onto the podcast to discuss colour psychology. Her uh, book, The Little Book of Colour, it's such a fantastic exploration of this subject and it's so actionable to help you create a home that authentically reflects you. It's a brilliant conversation that really helps you embrace your own style and love of colour in an honest and empowering way. Now, you can grab a full transcript of this episode as a free PDF download. I didn't have that available publicly. It lives inside Interior Design 101, the online program, um, but I've made it specially available for you as part of this reboot. Uh, And I've got helpful links and other resources listed uh, on that download. So you can grab that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 225. That's the numbers 225. So be sure to grab the PDF transcript. You can file that away and review this episode as you need to. Now let's dive in. Welcome to the Get It Right podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. With over 25 years industry experience, I've worked with loads of homeowners like you to create family homes that work, feel great and that you feel great in. I'm a wife and a mum to three kids who, thanks to our own renovations, they all learned to climb ladders before they walked. And I'm a registered architect who is passionate about you feeling informed, educated and empowered as you design, build or renovate your home. Now, if you're up for some frank and open conversation about the true nitty gritty of designing, building and renovating based on professional and personal experience across hundreds and hundreds of homes, well, you're in the right place. Undercover Architect is an award-winning online business and resource that began in mid-2014. And it's all about teaching you how to create a fantastic, feel-good family home. One that works for you now and into the future. One that is sustainable and affordable and that helps you live a great lifestyle, both in and beyond your home. So whether you're renovating or building, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget, consider Undercover Architect your secret ally in helping and teaching you how to get it right. Now, before we jump into this podcast episode, a quick shout out to my sponsors. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me and my free online workshop, Your Project Plan. I actually created this online workshop because I so regularly see a lot of time and money get wasted in renovation and building projects. And this happens largely because homeowners just don't know what they're supposed to be doing next. So that makes it really easy to make missteps, to take the wrong advice, or to actually skip important parts of your project that will catch you out down the track or worse, mean that you miss out on things that you really wanted in your home. Learn how to avoid serious and expensive mistakes, what to do next, whatever stage you're at in your project, and also access some great bonuses too by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. And that's project plan spelled P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. That's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan take the guesswork out of the next steps you need to take in your project journey and sign up today for free for this great online workshop. And now let's get on with the episode. Here we go. It's been really amazing. I've actually really loved revisiting these popular episodes over the past weeks, especially 
oh gosh, it just feels so much like the world has changed in ways that we never could have predicted since they were first published. Now, this episode that we're rebooting uh, now, it was published for the first time in December 2019. That was pre-Aussie bushfires uh, in the summer of 2019 and 2020 and then pre-COVID. Feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? So consequently, you know, those we've been through some really super unusual times and I think our experience of having spent a heck of a lot more time at home has actually shown us how important it is that we are super intentional about what we surround ourselves with to support our personal well-being and uh, does it in a way that helps create joy in our everyday environment. So I'm really looking forward to being able to jump into this brilliant conversation with Cara and Halla, reintroduce it to you or perhaps introduce it to you for the first time uh, so that you can enjoy the amazing information that she shares about colour. It's like it's incredible. You know, it's not only in your home but in your life as well. Let's kick off our episode and let me introduce to you Karen Haller. So Karen is the leading international authority in the field of applied colour psychology, how colour affects and influences our behaviour. With over 20 years of experience, she teaches, consults for businesses, interiors, healthcare and wellbeing, and has worked with prestigious global brands such as Marks & Spencer, Dove and Asco Noble Dulux. She's also been interviewed for Cosmopolitan, Stylist and The Times and contributed to the Huffington Post and appeared on London Live and Channel 4's Sunday brunch. Karen is actually originally from Australia, but she now lives in London. And after school, she actually started working as a project manager and a business analyst in the IT industry, which is a far cry from the world of colour. However, fashion studies in her late 20s brought her back to her colour passion. And since then, she's been hugely active in educating herself and sharing it with others to create greater knowing and understanding about colour and its power. As an author, a speaker, a teacher and a consultant, she's truly helping us see the transformative power of colour in our environments and our lives. Now, I was personally researching colour psychology and I came across Karen's newly published book, which is called The Little Book of Colour. And it has the subtitle, How to Use the Psychology of Colour to Transform Your Life, which is a big promise, but the book totally delivers. I actually devoured this book in a couple of sittings and it was like a new door opened up to me, one that actually rekindled memories of art classes from school, but that also joined the dots on a lot of other thoughts and feelings that I had floating about in my professional and personal brain. Karen has a beautiful and clear way of unpacking how we choose colour and what it can mean to us and how it can impact our emotions, our well-being, and our lifestyle. I had so many favourite highlighted quotes on my journey through the book, but one early one really jumped out at me, and I think this is particularly relevant for the undercover architect community. Karen actually says, Colour is not just about decorating, it is arguably the simplest tool we have at our disposal to enhance positive emotions and increase well-being, and it can do all this in an instant. It can help us feel more connected to ourselves and to the people around us, and when we feel connected, we feel happier about who we are, and when we feel happier about who we are, we can begin to lead happier and more fulfilled lives. I am so excited to be speaking with Karen in this episode of the podcast and to be sharing her wisdom with you. I know that it's helped me look at colour very, very differently because when we can harness the power of colour, it's actually an opportunity to truly enrich our homes and our lives so that they align with our personalities and families. And more than this, Karen actually says in our interview that that she realised in writing the book, The Little Book of Colour, it was actually about writing about the journey back to self, about finding yourself, finding an authentic self that you can feel truly comfortable in expressing and living in every day. So colour psychology is a really big topic and unfortunately a lot of stuff that you will read just scratches the surface or applies it in a really two-dimensional way but I think in this episode you're going to get a really great introduction to it and if it's something that's interesting to you I highly recommend checking out Karen's book and her other resources so I've got all of those links available for you in the show notes and the episode resources. So let's jump into the interview now. Well, Karen, it is so fantastic to have you here. I'm so, so, so excited to be speaking with you. I think when I first contacted you, I actually said, I have just devoured your book. I can't get enough of it. It has helped me see colour in an entirely new way, which as an architect who's had 25 years in the industry and a huge interest in art prior to that, you know, and I did art at school and at HSC level and all those types of things, I found it just really connected and resonated with me in such a, it was almost like it was calling on memories that I had but had forgotten oh. about what colour can actually mean and how transformative it can be. Now, what actually prompted you to write the book? 
So I've been studying colour psychology probably for just for over 10 years now, but I've been studying colour for 20-odd years. And it was just one of these divine timing things. I think everything is is in timing. And colour, I believe, is quite cyclic. So um, I should say for your listeners that I'm actually based in the UK, but I'm I'm from Sydney. And over here, I've noticed that we were going through um, really what I call a colour rut. So for the last 10 years or so, it was grey. Everything has been grey. Before that, it was white. Um, and we do go through these cycles. And I've been waiting for this cycle to tip for years. And every year, I'm like, you know, you know, I always think about it about surfing. So, you know, riding the crest of the wave, has it tipped? Has it tipped? And it's finally, it's finally tipping. It hasn't tipped yet, but it's finally tipping. And people, I think when we have been shutting ourselves away from our emotions and living in a in a in a hibernation and and um, when our world hasn't been safe and we haven't felt secure and we haven't felt we felt very unsure, this is when we retreat from colour. And we use colour like white, grey, black to protect ourselves and to hide and to shut out all the noise that's going on outside. And now we're beginning to, to I was going to say see the light, but um, we're, we're, we're coming out of that. And it was just so happened that when I was asked by Penguin at the end of 2017 if I would be interested in writing this book, I jumped on the chance because I knew when you go through a tr- traditional publisher, it takes usually about 18 months for the book to come out. So I thought if I do this now, it should just about hit that point where people are waking up to colour again. So that's really how that came out. But I've been wanting, you know, I've been talking about colour and colour psychology and how colour you know, makes us feel and how it had such an impact, powerful impact on us, you know, for the last 10 years. And it's been like I've been talking to the wind. <laughs> no one's been interested. It just blew back on me. But I knew there was something there that I was so, you know, that really Aussie stubbornness, you know what I mean? I was just so determined that I had something. And I thought, it's going to catch, someone's going to get it. And I and I just persevered and went on and on and on and yeah, finally it's 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 beginning it's beginning to take off. Uh, look, I think you know we were saying before we jumped on that you know I really feel that this is this understanding of color psychology is a missing piece in the understanding of how we go about shaping our environments and particularly in our home. Um, you know, for the undercover architect community, I know that this information is going to be incredibly powerful for them because it'll start to give them reason and meaning for things that they're gravitating towards and perhaps also the opportunity to look at new ways of uh, thinking about how they can shape their environment. Can you explain to us what colour psychology actually is for the uninitiated? Yeah, so in its really, really simple terms, really simple, it's a study of how colour influences how we think, how we feel and how we behave. Now, Everyone's heard um, about mood, so let's create a mood, let's create a feeling. But we can't see a mood and we can't see a feeling. So I can't see how you're feeling or your mood, but I can see what mood you're in or how you're feeling by your behaviours. So when I talk about colour psychology, it is the study of how we can influence positive behaviour. So I always start at the end. So what behaviours is it that we want to elicit? How do people want to respond? How do people want to act? How do they want to, um, you know, what's their reactions in a space? What would that look like? And then you work backwards of how to what colours because then you are creating the mood for the right positive behaviours. And colour... People always laugh when I say this, but, you know, you can use colour for good or for evil, right? You can. So it's the simplest way to say it. And you can use colour to manipulate. You can use colour to for people to have a response that isn't good for them because of what you're wanting to get out of them. And I'm very much about working with colour for well-being, for positive health, for um, I don't know if positive mental health is a big topic in Australia, but over here it is huge and a big part of that. Is, is what we surround, what we wear, what we surround ourselves with, how we can change our, how we feel in an instant. So that's really 
it's something that we all have. It's something that is instinctive to all of us. It's just something that maybe some of us have forgotten or not sure how to tap back into and how to how to access it. And sometimes people say to me, oh, I, I feel good sometimes, but not others. And I don't know what I did for that to feel good in those colours or in that environment. And I don't know how to replicate it. And so that that's why that's all in in my little book um, about how to do that so that people don't have to go and rely on somebody else to create the environment or the colours or the design style. It, excuse me, they can – I really wanted to put this in the hands of everyone to be able to do it themselves. Yeah, and that's the most powerful thing about the book I found. It was really – it's very instructional and it's very accessible. And uh, we were talking before I jumped on that I got too impatient to wait for Australia Post to deliver it to me, so I actually ended up buying the Kindle version. Um, but, you know, it is a book that I think uh, having as a resource that you can always refer back to, it's – and it's just such a it's such a well-written a journey, I suppose, through understanding color psychology, understanding uh, the the history of color psychology, and then how it can actually apply to us here and now. And I found that it is that thing of a lot of a lot of the reactions I was having was unconscious. And um, when I actually saw the reasoning and and you know um, saw what the explanations were, you actually you distill you you mentioned that that in in I suppose in English kind of cultures, color is distilled down to these. 11 main colors, which when I saw them, I was like, that can't be true. But then I read them and I was like, yeah, actually that is right. Everything's sort of a variation of that. So with the the 11 colors, they're red, pink, yellow, orange, brown, blue, green, purple, gray, white, and black. And you touched on it when you spoke before that you know, that, that colours can have positive psychological traits and then they can also have, have adverse psychological traits. And in the book you go through each of these colours and you talk about the positive and the adverse and then you talk about uh, the different types of tones that are available, which is fantastic because if you can think, oh, red, I don't like red, but then when you see all of the different tones of red, you can actually see what opportunity there is for you to explore that. And then also how we may be familiar with seeing those colours used in action by brands that we may be familiar with. Why is it so important for – and, I mean, mental health and well-being is a really big topic in Australia as well. I'm finding that it's among, you know, a lot of people in the undercover architect community, they're becoming really tuned in to how their homes can create environments that really improve their health and well-being. We talk about it a lot on Undercover Architect. So how, how you know, how is it – why is it so important to remember that there's two sides of the coin, that, our you know, colour can support our behaviour but it can also have an adverse impact on our behaviour? Yeah, so – when we take in, so we take in colour before anything else. So before words, before shapes, um, before before any, anything there is. And so what we're doing is when we're taking the colour in through our eyes, it's going to the part of our brain which is the hypothalamus, which is where our emotions reside. So we we see colour and we think quite often that colour is something pretty. We think it's something that's just decorative. And something that's just physical, we physically take it in. But once we've taken it in, it becomes emotional. And therefore, we have an emotional reaction to colour. So you using red as an example, if I was in a room that had a lot of fire engine red, because I know it's not my red and I, my body does not resonate with it, I, I, I don't have a, I, I can't, I don't relate to this red. I relate to a watermelon red. So the watermelon red, if I had a little bit, because it resonates with me and my personality, it's, you know, I have a good positive physical reaction because red is the psychological primary, the physical, and it's stimulating. So I'm, um, you know, it gives me energy. It's sort of like a double espresso, you know, it gives me that little boost and that little energy. If I am around fire engine red, which is a cold blue red, it puts me into overwhelm and it puts my body almost in stress. And that's sometimes when we the saying we see red is because it's not just the tone of colour, it's where it's put, so it's also the uh, context, but it's also the proportion. So you can use the right colour but in but too much and you will feel overwhelmed. Now that's the bit that is is personal to people, is to how which is the right red for you and which and how and where where to place it 
and in what the context is, because if you put red into an adult's bedroom, it has a very different meaning to red in a child's bedroom, right? So the context is important and the amount that you put in. So these things, and this is, this is why um, in the book I really wanted to go into this detail because I wanted people to become their own, their own, um, you know, their own interior decorators, their own stylists, their own, you know, if we, if, we, if we can't be control of our own colour choices and we default outside, and this is the big thing I think why people have been scared of colour, um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong in Australia, but I can, you know, my, my main experience is over, over here in the UK and in Europe. But there's, we got to a point where, seven, I mean, a couple of years ago, I did a, um, this uh, survey and 75% of people in the UK were decorating their homes to make other people happy, which when I saw those results, I just like triple checked because I just went, this can't be right. And how can you live in a home that you come back to that nourishes you, whether that's you want a sense of drama, whether you want quiet, whether you want an oasis, whether you want to be restored, whatever it is that you want your home to give you, because there's nothing wrong. You know, there could be 10 different, 15 different ways why people want their home to do for them. If your home isn't doing that for you, because you're worried what your neighbor thinks, like over here, there's a certain gray and everybody had that gray because they all want to say, and I, well, I won't say the name because it's a brand name, but you know, oh, we've got X gray because they wore it as if, um, if I have this grey, I will be accepted. I will be, I will belong. And basically, a big, big human need is to, is to be accepted and to belong. So people were covering their whole house in these greys, and then coming and saying to me, "I'm tired and exhausted. I don't like my house. Yes, it is on trend, but I'm not happy." But, but they wanted something that was far more impressive for people than actually what it gave to them. So these are so very quickly, if we don't do what is right for us and we don't have that sense of connection to self, then we very quickly default our what what is right for us for others to make that decision. So magazines, trends, I mean there's a there's a there's a trend coming out every week, isn't there? And it's like, well, which one do you follow? Well, do you know what? Trends inspire, they don't dictate. So never, you know, if there's, if anyone just takes one thing away from today's podcast is don't let a trend dictate to you. If it doesn't, if it doesn't sing to you and it doesn't sing to your heart and it doesn't light you up and it doesn't feel right, don't use it. Use, so if just say it is a green and that green isn't right for you, use another one. Use, if you do want to be on trend, then use a green that does work for you and just go, okay, well, this one actually I can't relate to, but I really, really love this one. It's similar. And so I'm going to use this one. I mean, if that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, little soapbox <laughs> moment there. But, yeah, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when people um, when people have this achingly fashionable home and on-trend home and then they're not happy and they're miserable. Like, Yeah, I think that was the amazing thing. One of the, I mean, there were so many amazing things about your book, but when I read it, it was like, you're giving people permission to understand why they like what they like and and to actually then own it authentically in terms of how it re- resonates with them. And and I think what you spoke about in terms of that connection to self and that um, that that the ability to generate that in your environment and feel like yourself. And you speak in the book about, you know, if you're, if you're living with other people and how to, how to balance all of those things as well, that they might have different personality uh, around color than you do. Then I think that that's, I mean, we talk in Undercover Architect a lot about creating homes that that have meaning for us and it not being about um, following specific styles or trends or things like that, but actually creating meaningful environments for our own families. And I think uh, there was just, you know, I, I'm going to encourage everyone to get a copy of your book. It's I just couldn't get through it fast enough because I just found that um, the information in it was just so powerful and um, I know that I'll keep referring back to it. You know, I've, I've gone and pulled specific clothing out of my cupboard and gone, oh, I actually don't like that very much. And then I'll go back and look at what the colour means in the book and go, 
oh, actually, that's probably why, you know, and, and we'll talk a bit more about color personalities and the seasons that you've, the different color personalities that you got. But first I want to talk about tonal harmony, tonal color harmony, because you talk about in the book about how um, it's not just the color in isolation, but when you actually combine it with other colors, that can then have a whole entirely different meaning. And you use the uh, example of a black and a yellow, you know, being quite a sort of strong sign of danger when you combine those two colors, be it in the insect world or be it in traffic signs, those types of things. Now, can you explain a bit more about how color tonal color harmony works and how it differs i mean if we all studied the color wheel at school and understood complementary um colors and those types of things this is quite different how how does color tonal color harmony work yeah so the color wheel is not fit for purpose for designers right the color wheel was designed for artists and the whole and we have misunderstood what complementary means so you will see loads of brands, you'll see a lot of people that think, oh, okay, so um, green is the complementary of red, therefore I need to put them together in a scheme. No, that's not what it means. It means an artist who did a painting, if they wanted that green to stand out and really be noticeable, they knew that if they put a little bit of red next to the green, the green would really stand out. So the Madonna is in blue. So they put a line of yellow to make the blue really come out. That's what it means. We, we need a new tool, right? So we need a new tool. And unfortunately, when it comes to studying colour, in a lot of design courses, the poor teacher gets, what, half an hour? It gets half a day. The only thing that you can teach in its entirety is the colour wheel because that takes about 10 minutes, Right. Here's complementary, here's split complementary, but there's no context around it because that's not what it's for. When I run my colour courses online, they, it takes, this is six months, and this is me trying to make it, condense it, right? Everyone wants everything very, very fast these days, right? And I call this slow colour. There's slow cooking, there's slow, there's a slow movement, there's all this slow going on, right? There is no fast way of coming back to self, right? This is this is a, this is this is slow reconnection. And I love when you said before that you use stuff because in the book, because I want this to be a living book and I want people to live the book and to go back and pull things out. So that's the the colour wheel. You can eat that's the one thing you can go onto the internet and, and look at and you can learn that really quickly. So Put all of that to one side. Just just put that to one side for a second. This tonal colour harmony was uh, discovered by my teacher, Angela Wright, uh, uh, the uh, colour psychologist here in the UK. And she discovered something, but she didn't realise what she discovered, and that's when she went off to scientists and said, can you tell me what I've discovered? And what she had been able to do was plot colors that had a mathematical correlation to each other so every, so there's four different color uh four different uh, color groups and every color in that color group had a mathematical correlation that made them harmonize with each other in that group but if you took that color and put it into another group it would jar now quite often when we see color schemes we see things that are uncomfortable we think oh there's something not right we, you know, our shoulders go up, we just go, oh, that just doesn't work, you know, it hurts our eyes, whatever it is. Normally that is because the because the colours are jarring and what they're doing is they're they what my what one of my students called it, they don't like each other. The colours fight against each other. They don't they're not friends, you know, there's not a oh and when you see colours that work beautifully together, like for me, I almost want to eat them because they're just so yummy. Now, the reason why I talk about seasons in the group is because it is a very quick shorthand for us to be able to uh, understand. Because if I talked about it as mathematical correlations and, and, and the colour recipes, people would be like, huh? But if I talk about this is the, the energy of the colours and it's the same energy that you would see in a pure spring morning like in springtime, these are the colours that if in autumn, you know, like you see a beautiful autumn tree and it goes rust reds and it goes all those golden yellows and, 
and those burnt oranges. They're, so people have something to relate to because in this book, I never wanted there to be a moment at all that people would shut the book and go, I don't, I don't get what she's talking about. I wanted it. You say devour. My whole thing is I want this book to be inhalable. I wanted it to be understood by everybody. Um, so that's my description of so so spring. So I'm wearing so I'm a spring. You probably can't see it very well, but I'm a spring personality. So I wear these clear blue based, sorry yellow based clear uh, colours that have a lightness and have a kind of a almost like a bouncy tigger like playful energy, which is exactly what you do see in spring. It's what you see in the energy of the animals. It's what you see when plants burst forth and they're coming, you know, like you look at a daffodil, you know, that that clear, warm green, that clear yellow. It's those kind of colors. So I talk about each of the four color palettes in terms of a season, but also in terms of an energy so that people can get an understanding of what it is that um, I'm referring to because the the idea is that I want I want people to think about something that they already know you know what I mean like so work out what they I'm sure you do this too is you meet them where they're at with their knowledge and what they already understand and then I give them a little bit more education so that is what that's what these four color palettes are um, there are lots of styling companies that talk about seasons. They do not do this. So they've actually, and a lot, a lot of, I get a lot of people coming to me and saying, well, I've been told that I'm an autumn, but why can't I wear, why do I feel really drained or don't, don't like these colors? And I go, because they're not, it's not a pure autumn palette. They've mixed all four seasons in your palette. And so when I do the consultation again, and then I can actually see, okay, this is your primary season. This is your secondary this is your um, color palette and this is your personality in color because that's really what we're doing. We're, we're looking to see what our personality is in color and then also our design style. So when these two come together, this is, this is an outward expression of who we are because that's really what I would love the world to, to come to is that we, that we aren't scared of who we are you know, and we are, and 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 when people walk in and they go, if they were so blunt, oh, I don't like this house. It's like, who cares? Because it's not for you. It's my house, and I love it, and I'm the one that lives here. So really, like, does it matter? <laughs> you know, yeah, that good old Aussie, that good old Aussie, like, and. <laughs> No, well, I think um, it, it, that's that's what I found when I read about these color personalities and these color palettes was they're very relatable in terms of looking at the color combinations. But there's a quiz in the book where you actually uh, have the opportunity to answer some questions and determine what your color personality is based on the answers of those. And so I did that quiz and I found that my primary personality was spring, but then my secondaries were tied and they were only one point behind and they were winter and autumn. And it was interesting, you know, we were before uh, when we were emailing each other, I said, and you, I said to you, I wear a lot of gray and black. And so when I looked at the color meanings of gray and black and it, you know, it, uh, it being, you were talking about gray, we'll talk a little bit more about it later on, because I think with the gray is a really big color choice here. White is a really big color choice. It's kind of like this safe choice that happens for interiors and for the exteriors of homes. And uh, I was really fascinated to read what those colors meanings kind of were and, and particularly the adverse impact of those colors. And so, um, but I, when I looked at the color palettes, I actually was I was more drawn to the winter palette than I was to the spring palette, but I was more drawn to the personality description of the spring in terms of that playful spirit and those types of things. than the winter was much more sort of, you know, uh, I suppose serious. And I, I mean, I find I'm often kind of uh, grappling with that professional self versus that personal self. And, you know, I'm a mum with three kids and we live on a, on an acreage. And so that, 
playful sort of side is something that I really uh, like having in my life. But I know that when I show up for business, then there's a sort of a different level of personality. And I, it was quite interesting reading through. And then I thought, well, no, my home's quite eclectic and it's probably more like the autumn personality. And so it was really fascinating to read those different things. And, you know, in terms of those characteristics, how do you suggest people – you know, you've created that beautiful assessment. Do you, do you find that people then, when they do that assessment, um, that they really gravitate towards the characteristics, or are they like me, where they're sort of going, "Oh, I, I identify with that, but I'm probably more drawn to that." How do you sort of find people juggle that? And I'm yeah. like, they've obviously been so, honed over lots and lots of experience. So, yeah. Well, I, to be honest, I didn't want to put that in, and I said to my, I said to my uh, uh, editor. I said, my consultations take three hours. If I go and put in a quiz, people are going to do the quiz and say, that's what I am. She said, no, you've got to put it in. You've got to put it in. What people don't always do is they don't read the next two parts. For anyone that's going to do this, just because you come out with more of one than the other doesn't mean that's what you are. It shows that you have these characteristics and you have these characteristics, right? Because you could, I don't mean you as in you, Amelia, but as in the, the us, us, the, the, you know, we the, we, the, we, the, we the listeners, we could be living out of our secondary personality more than our primary. So therefore our secondary actually shows up more in the quiz. If, if I had done this quiz when I was first starting my journey, when I was back working during the day in IT and I was studying colour at night, I would have absolutely have come up with more winter than spring because I was behaving more winter because of the work that I was doing. Because if you, in my mind, I'm managing 30 men in an, in an IT project manager environment, who's going to take me seriously if I bounce in? So I chose to be serious and I chose to wear a lot of black. I would then believe that actually I'm winter primary, but that's not the case. So the first thing is, is as soon as you, 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 you do the quiz, just, just look at it as in interest, like, ah, oh, this is really interesting. I've got this many for this personality type and this many for this. Do not go and say I am primary in this. So so just stay at that level and then look to see what that is. Then it's about putting the colours because when I do my three-hour consultations, I ask, we have, we have a conversation in between that, you know, I ask lots of questions seemingly and I couldn't put them in here because really it's when they answer it, I know how to then ask the next one and the next one and that's when I start to build up, oh, okay, I can see this personality type and I can see this one. That is as far as that bit goes. It's not until I start draping the colours that I can see what is happening physically. So I am looking to see the face light up. I'm looking to see what colour palette drains the face. I'm looking, I'm looking to see what they have told me, what is now showing up because I'm looking at the colours. So it normally does come up with the two of the highest, but sometimes it doesn't. But I'm constantly looking at how the colours show up. So if you put all the winter colours on me, my skin drains, the colour drains from my face. It puts shadows on me if I wear black. So if I had gone around thinking, well, I'm winter, I'm winter, then I would be living, I would not be living my authentic self because I've, I've, I've done it the wrong way around. But when, as soon as I put spring colours on, my whole face lights up. If I sat here with a, wish I had a um, oh, an olive green, because if I if I put on olive green, everyone thinks I'm sick because the colour just drains from my face. So that's the second part. And when you know what is the right colour palette for you, that is what your primary is. So that's the bit that I would encourage you to go and do, is to then start looking at the colours and seeing and wear no makeup because your face should light up. I mean, I've had clients that I've taken shopping and um, I remember once she, she, she wore no makeup and she had a white T-shirt on and she, oh, gosh, she was so pale. 
And then we picked up a whole lot of autumn colours because she was autumn, primary, secondary, spring. And they all the clothes had a bit of a flow to it and they all had a fun lightness to it. And um, because she was she was more the light end of autumn. And when she went to the change room and she put the clothes on, it was it was as if she had a whole face of makeup on. And we both burst into tears because it was so, oh, my, it was so beautiful. She just completely lit up. And I went, do you see, do you see? Like, and she said, yeah, yeah, I can see it, I can see it. And that was maybe six, seven years ago. And she sticks always to her autumn colours um, because she's got a palette. She takes it shopping. She never, it never leaves a handbag. She buys everything in her home for that because her home is is autumn with a spring, you know, with a lovely, um, you know, spring um, design and her clothes have all of that and she just absolutely shines through. So that's, that's, that's what I would love for people. But, but, but um, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that when I wrote the book that people wouldn't necessarily be looking at the other two bits. And I am thinking, of, I'm, I am going to do a um, Instagram TV on it just to say to people, please read the next bits because the amount of people that just go, oh, I've come out more in this. Oh, this is what I am. It's like, no, no, you've got to do, you've got to do the, you've got to do the checking bit. Yeah. I kept reading and that, I think that's what sort of had me. And then I came back to my wardrobe and I thought, uh, I looked at my wardrobe and I thought, actually, those, those items are my favorite kind of clothes. And the ones that people say to me, Oh, you know, they always sort of comment when I'm wearing them, you look really well, that type of thing. And they're not the black clothing. <laughs> and it was, and then it was also thinking about my jewelry because you talk in there about what jewelry you might be gravitating towards, then your home. And I think for me, it was just a great, it actually just made me far more curious um, rather than me naming what I am. I thought, actually, this is now, I've now got some tools to start really playing with this, to really start questioning it and being curious about it. And uh, to it's, start, a, it's an energy, isn't it? So it's not yeah. like I am an autumn because I don't want people to say that. It's like you have an earthy energy, you have a playful energy, you're serene, you're, you, you have a, you know, there's extroverts, there's introverts and, and um, there's people there are there are very few winter women in Australia and there are very few winter women here in the UK, it, yet it is the colour palette that most women want to be. It's what they most aspire to be because they see the personality as aspirational, but what they don't want is the adverse side of that personality. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not this. I'm not the adverse side. Well, you know what? You're all or nothing. Like, and I am, I, I, I am winter secondary and I have that positive and I had the adverse side of winter and I have to own it because that is what I have you can't it's not a pick and choose like I just I want to wear black because I want to come across as looking glamorous and I want everyone to look at me and I want to be the center of attention and I you know if you want all of that you have to take you have to take the adverse with it <laughs> so you know it's the both sides it's yeah and, and it's some and and also I think it gives people permission I don't like that word permission because it's like it's not me saying this at all. But over here also there is this ban the beige and ban this and ban that and you know this color's ridiculous and 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 everyone has to be bright colors. We don't have to be Disneyland and acid. We don't have to be um, you know like th you know vomiting up color. Some people have such quiet introvert personalities that all those really soft heathers and mauves and those colors that do have a lot of grain at those really cool soft cool tones that absolutely resonates because that for who they are because they are this introvert quiet serene uh, personality and so many books out there this is the way this is how you do it I, I this book even though it's you say permission but this book is about coming home to self and going you know what I can show up exactly who I am because because there are colors for me there's a design style for me there's pattern there's textures there's surfaces there's finishes all of this is there is there there they are for everybody and so if we know if we know who we are God, it makes shopping easier. <laughs> oh, no, I walk into a shop. I walk into a shop and I do this. I do this 360 
And my friends say, but you said you wanted to look in that shop. I said, I have. <laughs> I said, I've just, on my heel, I've looked. If I don't see my colours, I'm out of there. Shopping is a breeze. And as soon as I see my colour, I go in there and I feel the fabric. I look at the cut. I look at the style. Um, I look at, and, and if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't have that mix, then I, it's so quick. I can go into a homeware store you know, I can, I mean, there are times I do linger because, you know, I have slight autumn envy and I love all the autumn clothes and I love all the autumn colours. And so I, I hold them and just go, oh, my God, this is so yummy. And then I put it back because obviously I look sick in them. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it just makes everything. And then when you're looking in magazines, you can, because they have to appeal to everybody and they're trying to you know, have an interest for everyone. And you can look through and you can admire and you can think, oh, yes, this is lovely, but but I know this isn't for me. And then you can go through and go, ah, yes, this, you know, pineapple lampshade, that's exactly for me or this feathered thing or, you know what I mean? And you can, it's it's much easier for you to look through than, than, than come home with a whole lot of stuff and just go, why does nothing go together? Why yeah. does nothing match? Yeah, well, that that's the thing. I think it, it was um, it's a really fantastic roadmap for getting clarity around what's really going to work for you and with you, and then also how the combinations can work. So, uh, you know, a lot of the time people are really struggling with they might like a particular color, but then they don't know how to put that together in a palette, and um, and I think that understanding that spring, autumn, winter, and summer, and how those uh, tonal color harmonies work, um can really give people some scope then to understand how to combine colors in a way that they can feel much more confident about it. Can we talk a bit, you have this whole section in your book where you talk about using color in your home and some of the reasons that color schemes actually fail. And, you know, you mentioned before, one of the things that really stood out for me was that we do focus on creating a mood, but we can't, you know, it's not the mood that we see, it's the behavior that tells us what the mood is. And if we don't think about that, then, you know, we're setting ourselves up for failure in how we use color. Can you talk through some of the reasons why why you see people fail with color in their homes? Yeah, so um, I think one of the big things is the what we make a word mean. So um, again, over here, uh, a lot of people say, I want a calm, relaxing space. What is that? What is calm and relaxing? What is calm and relaxing for me as a spring person could likely be something different to someone who is a winter or a summer or an autumn person. So what we often do is we, because we're not, we're not clear on what that is. So what I always say to uh, my clients and to my students, uh, design students, when you're asking this question, what does what does calm mean? What does relax mean for you? What does, you know, it could be any word. You could change, change that to any word. What does dramatic mean to you? What is a sense of drama? What, is, um, what does fun mean to you? And that is when I say to people, this is where you write down the moods and the feelings because this is what people know and this is what they, it's easier for them to do. So write down, you know, so, so relax means this to me. You know, relax might mean, um, I come in, I put my, you know, I flop on the sofa, I read a book or I watch TV. Some people's idea of relaxing is playing with the kids. Some people's idea of relaxing is um, cooking. You know, there's all sorts of things of what, you know, what would you be doing? Then I ask the question, so what would you be doing for you to know you're relaxed? Okay, so this is how then, and this is the behavior because I realized when I was saying, well, how do you want to behave? How? People were like going, huh? I don't get behavior. What do you mean? So I had to find a new way of saying that. And it was, what, what would you be doing to know you're relaxed? What would you be doing to know that you created the environment that you wanted? What people say at this point, this is behavior. And then this is where you pick the colors because you already know your color palette. This is where you pick the colors and the proportion of colors and the placement of colors to create that environment because that's the color harmony and that is and and that is how we can then create that sense of now I've created a calm space for myself now for some people 
mentally calming is what they want. Other people, physically calming is what they want. Other people want the holistic calming. Other people want a the nervous system, the, the emotional calming. So calming is different for everybody. Relaxed is different for everyone. And there is a process that I take people through in the book of if you know um, so what the room is, so you can say a living room, what the purpose, what you do in that space, what environment do you want to create, how do you want to feel in that space, what mood do you want to create, how would you know that you created that mood, what would you be doing? If you go through all of those and then you build up the colour palette around that because in case I'm sure people are going, well, what colours? But again, in the book, I explain what all the different colours mean. And the proportion is important and the placement is important because if you, as we're talking about the adverse before, if you put too much in, you're likely, all right, so this is not always, but you're likely to feel the adverse side. Now, how much is too much? This then becomes personal because some people, a tiny little bit of pink, a lot of pink, too much, you know, and they just, whoa, little bit of red, too much red, and everyone will be everyone will be different. So this is where you you put, you edit, you know, you put things into a space. Ah, oh, yes, this feels right. Actually, it doesn't feel enough. Oh, it feels too much. I'm going to take something out. Something's missing. Oh, I need this energy. And this is how we start to build it up. I think, you know, TV shows that go in and say they do something in 60 minutes or they do these makeovers and people walk in and go, wow, I would say most of those wows is like, wow, this is really overwhelming and wow, in about a week's time, I'm going to change this <laughs> because, because they're made for TV, they're not made for living. So um, I would, and I think we've just been influenced by all of this and it's, it's created an artificial uh, environment and it's, that's, that's not how we live. And when people are too overstimulated, so this is a good thing for, for, for the listeners. If they in any time feel, oh, my God, this is too much, I'm just going to go to white, it's because they've got too much energy and too much emotional energy in the room. So do not, because white is a way of anaesthetizing and shutting down our emotions. So I would rather people edit or look to go actually I've got a pink in here and I've got a magenta pink. Actually, my pink is really a softer pink. Change things around, take things out instead of just blanketing, painting everything white because that's what people do. It's like um, when something is so full on and really, really dialed up and it's really loud, you know, you've got triple J on full ball, <laughs> which is very different to then having soft classical. Do you know what I mean? It's This is where we are then in control. Absolutely, we have 100% control of our environment and what we put in it and how we tweak it and fine tune it so it resonates with our with our own soul. I, I think that, that that idea of editing is a really powerful one because it can be the safe option that you just go, okay, I'm just going to do it all white and let's just that's just going to be a safe choice. Let's go from there. The grey is another big kind of safe choice and I found it was really interesting in the book where you spoke about just how I suppose full our lives have become, how noisy our lives have become, that that actually may be one of the reasons why we've gravitated towards choosing a colour like grey to surround us so much. I know one of my most favourite um, tops to relax in is this grey bonds hoodie that I have and I just always feel really calm and comfortable when I have that that jumper on. And uh, But it's interesting when you spoke about if you're surrounded by too much grey, how that can have a really adverse impact on you and really lower your sense of well-being. It's drain. It can it can be drain, very very draining, and we get very very tired. How? Yeah. yeah and, how... And, and 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 it's why and, and it's why we're why we're hiding. You know, it's like there's days that we have days we just want to hibernate. We just want to shut the world out. And you know, and that's all right because we need to feel the full range of emotions. But if we're constantly in one emotion. This is this is not good for our well-being. We we it's it's okay. I've been a week in grey now. What is that should be a sign? Okay, what's going on? Why am I constantly wearing grey? 
How am I feeling? It's a fantastic way to check in with yourself. And so how do you do this then in your home where you're obviously choosing fairly permanent colours for the walls? You know, you might have soft furnishings that you could switch out based on various things. I talk a lot to homeowners about focusing on how they want to feel in their home, in the individual spaces in their home and using that as as a means of kind of giving themselves a bit of a rudder. And I think that colour is just a beautiful dimension to add to that. But if you're committing to a colour on your walls, um, how do you go about doing that? And I suppose having some confidence that you're not going to be experiencing those adverse impacts. How do you, how do people kind of negotiate that with themselves? Uh, Take time because this, what's in the book is really new for people. And People have said to me that what they first of all do is they work on the colours on themselves first and they they take the time to observe because the more you understand yourself and your choices, it, this, there, there is no rush. Don't go out now and buy, you know, hot pink or buy green or whatever the trend and just stick it everywhere. Absolutely, take, there is no rush. When I'm When I wrote this book, so of course my whole life I live and breathe colour. And I'm writing this book and I'm saying this book isn't actually about colour. But I couldn't twig what it was. And I was three quarters of the way through and I went, oh, my God, it's about it's a book about coming home to self. It's a book about coming home. So not just our home, this home in here. And some people have this connection very quickly. They read the book and they go, it's it because it because it was so close to the surface for the other people this is so new because quite often we have lived our lives to make others happy we've lived our lives uh to show up a certain way because we thought that that we would get approval that way we haven't always lived our lives for who we are and just showing up authentically for some people that is the first step is even having that realization of oh gosh so i would always say it, this is this is baby steps this is if you're if you feel that you're ready my god just like go if you feel that whoa whoa hold on this is way way whoa what's what's what, what's going on here just observe observe what you shop observe the brands that you pick up observe why you walk into this coffee shop but you've just walked past five to go to this one what is it that this one is giving you? How do you feel? You know, we're, we're only 20% conscious of the colour choices we make, yet we're making thousands of colour choices every single day. And we and those colour choices are typically based on an emotional response. So if the first thing that someone needs to do is just be more aware of why they're picking something up or why there's a there's some uh, exercises in the book and one of them is um, charting what you wear what you wear every day even if you write down what you wear every day why you think you wrote it the response you got of people how you felt wearing it this is all about making color more conscious and when people are ready they then will be ready to then look at their home I would just say, just don't rush it, but observe why you've done what you've done. And there's, it's, and it's not wrong. It's not like, oh my God, I've just painted my whole house gray and I've just put in lots of black and I've put in lots of, and, and now, oh my God, does that mean I've got to repaint it all again? Just observe why you did it. Like there is no, there is no beating up. There is no, I've got to get it right. It's, you know, it's, it, 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 is, this, it is a saying, it's slow colour because we're coming back to self. And that could be a huge emotional journey for a lot of people, huge emotional journey. You know, it's not uncommon for my clients to burst into tears, A, because they've had the realisation, and then they just go, oh, my gosh, I've not been me. You know, I've not, I've not allowed, my, I've not given myself permission to be me. So it's not me giving anyone permission, it's, it's people giving themselves permission. And the more we understand and the more we come from a place of curiosity, because that's what I'm always like, I'm always insatiably curious. That way we can't be wrong, we can't beat ourselves up, we, can't worry, we won't worry what anyone else thinks because that childlike curiosity, I, yes, I know it's a very spring thing, but um, that childlike curiosity and a place of wonder and observance takes all that pressure off us. And then we will just do it in our own time. 
we'll do it all in our own time. And really this book does help people to start to break that down and to start to connect and then to think, oh, okay, so I might change this colour of this wall. Maybe maybe just a bunch of flowers might just be enough. Right now, if that is if that is enough, until you start to feel we're feeling our way into it. So I would just say slowly, slowly, slowly. No, don't rush. Because what they'll just do is they'll just go straight back to white. And to me, that would be that would be a travesty if people just went back to all white. Thank God we're getting out of the all white all white phase here. Yeah, slowly, slowly. Um, people are people are hanging on to it, but that's but that's their own journey. You know, they're not wrong. It's just very interesting as well what's going on in their life for them to really staunchly hold on to something. And, uh, yeah, that's for them, isn't it? Karen, I just can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing and the beautiful book that you've put together. And uh, lastly, can you just tell us, if people do want to work more closely with you, what's the best way for them to go about, I suppose, exploring colour more uh, if this, if what they've been hearing has really resonated with them and they are curious about learning more? What's what's the uh, what's the best way for them to go about finding you? So I have um, I actually have a website for this book. It's called uh, thelittlebookofcolor.com, and um, I have a color club so people can join and I help you know go through this this journey together um, because a lot of people are going well I've got the book now I know I now I you know I'd love to have some more help so that that's the easiest way and I can help people all over the world. Um, I also have my own website, karenhuller.co.uk, and I have a colour training website where I teach designers um, or um, industry designers, and that's colour-training.com. Um, and who knows? I think you and I should do stuff together. <laughs> I just... really, really do because, you know, if I may say um, – it's been a hard road trying to break back into Australia and I just want to say thank you to you for contacting me and um, and especially to have a architect who loves colour. Oh, my God. So um, that's wonderful because they're, they're the white brigade and um, when I give talks to architects across Europe, and they all stand there with their arms folded and they are all got their black roll neck jumpers on and they're like, come on, prove it to me. Um, yeah, they're a tough crowd. So the fact that you're an architect that loves colour, I mean, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you. you but thank you because we need, yeah, we need more people. Uh, we, yeah, we need, we need. We need more people that, that, that get and understand and know there's something to colour more than it being pretty or decorative or, or an afterthought. You know, there is it is it is it is such an emotional connection with us in our lives. And if we can reconnect back to source, back to Mother Nature, we you know, we reconnect back to the earth. And I think that's what we want to do. I think that's the way that the world is going, is that we can uh, there's so many ways that we can do this, and um, if we're more conscious of colour and and how we're connecting back to ourselves, that's a that's a huge that's a huge step forward. Yeah, I think so, and I think that the UA community is a very special bunch, and uh, they they are seeking to create homes that are actually a true reflection of them. And so I think that this information is going to be really powerful and uh, really exciting, a whole new dimension for them to think about what options are available to them to create homes that are really beautiful environments that are going to improve their everyday well-being, but to have some tools now to understand different ways that they can do that. So thank you so much for your time. I just, you've been hugely generous and I really appreciate it. We'll pop all of the links in the resources so that everybody can find those uh, websites i encourage everybody to grab a copy of the book and uh you'll read it in a weekend like i did and then have it as a resource to come back to and uh yeah and and hopefully it will help everybody see i mean i'm just seeing everything around me and i'm a i'm very much a detective always studying my environment and this has added a whole new dimension to the way that i look at my environment so thank you so much oh you're more than welcome more than welcome Oh, wow. It was fantastic revisiting that conversation. I've also personally dived back into the book. I actually have a copy around me quite a lot. And 
I love refreshing my memory on the information that Karen shares about colour in her book and also the quiz as well. It's very cool. So if you'd actually like to grab a copy of Karen's book, A Little Book of Colour, I'm going to pop a link in the podcast resources for you to be able to do that. Now, that's it for episode 225 and our reboot of one of U4's most listened to episodes on the Get It Right podcast. Be sure to tune into the next episode. I'm going to be sharing an update on this topic. Now, if you're struggling with choosing color for your home and how to use it and how to apply it, where to distribute it, I'm going to share some helpful information and resources for you that will really simplify things for you overall. All of the links for this episode plus that full downloadable uh, PDF transcript are available for free by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 225. That's the numbers 225. So undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 225. Head there, grab the PDF download. You can file it away and refer to it later. Review it as you need. Please share this podcast episode with family, friends, colleagues, even strangers, basically anyone that you know it may help so that we can get this information and knowledge into the ears and hands of as many homeowners as possible and improve their experience of designing, building and renovating their family homes. I love hearing the stories of those who found this podcast thanks to the generosity of another listener. It is just awesome. Now, if you haven't left a review on the Undercover Architect podcast, especially if you listen on iTunes, I would be so grateful if you please could. It really makes a difference in enabling this podcast to reach others that it can help. And it also ensures that I can continue to grow the podcast and get amazing guests and information on here as well. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, which lands each Tuesday morning to access helpful information and education in your project journey so that you can get it right as you design, build or renovate your family home. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.